Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Saturday, cold, January 15th day, 2022. Coming right up, it's the Book of Psalms, chapter 41. It's about human mortality. Don't you dare miss it. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing marketing, advertising, helping with the website, helping with this podcast, whatever God-given talents you have. God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at companionchapel.com. How are you blessing others with the blessings God has given you? Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com or just send me a kite. Email me at companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is located at number 338 side road 28 slash 29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada. The phone number here is 509-706-8876. Please turn with me in your Bibles. Two Psalms, chapter 41. It's about human mortality. Now, I've got a question lately about uh, Michael, how do you come up with your translation of the Bible, your interpretation? Fair enough. I'll tell you how. The English language, the King James Bible, or whatever English Bible you're reading, English, English language, cannot grasp the fullness of expression of either the biblical Hebrew or Greek. Therefore, it is impossible to relate a word-for-word translation because the original biblical Hebrew words all express a deep sense and meaning that formulate a picture in your mind. The Greek, and especially the English, utterly fails and is simply not capable to express the exactness and clarity of biblical Hebrew language. God promised remnant of truth to be available to everybody. That's where I step in. I dig deep into the etymology of the key Hebrew words found in the Masoretic manuscripts and bring to you the divine biblical interpretation of the Bible itself. Like, govern yourself accordingly. But the Bible contains its own glossary through the etymology of all these words. And that glossary are the threads that run through the Bible that tie it together for interpretation. Those threads that run through the Bible are none other than the structural fabric of the key of David itself. And isn't that just the greatest thing? There is no up for interpretation, Michael. The Bible is extremely clear. The Bible as it's written, says that God is not the author of confusion. So when you find something confusing in the English language, you have to turn back to the original manuscripts and get yourself a lexicon and look it up, or I'll teach the whole Bible. It's my pleasure. Verse, or chapter 41 of the book of Psalms addresses human mortality. Now, let's, just before I get into verse 1, everybody is facing their mortality. Like, you could die tomorrow. Everybody only has a calculated number of breaths left. Like, the countdown is on. No matter matter who you are, the countdown is on. Everybody will eventually get down to 10 breaths, 9, 8. Choke on your last breath, poop your pants, and instantly you will meet your maker. You will be judged by what is on your account, as it's written in the Bible. 
you write your own sentence where you go after you die. What did you do with yourself? Well, you were living on borrowed time, courtesy of your Heavenly Father, God. He's given us, this is a second chance here. We are the one-third that fell. When the Bible says one-third followed Satan, where are the other two-thirds? They didn't follow Satan. We did. There's something in each and every one of us that Father's trying to teach us. Hey, it's not cool to have that up here in the kingdom of heaven. You can't create a hell like you have on earth. Like I gave you guys a place. I gave you guys, I created it in perfect order and beauty. And look what you guys have done to it. You've turned it into a chemical toilet. You're destroying Mother Nature's right to flourish and exist. And you're annihilating each other. Now, let's, let's get into uh, 41 here of the book of Psalms, Human Mortality. I thought I could do this with Psalms 40, but uh, that podcast went on a little bit too long. And this is an exciting podcast because 40 and 41 uh, will contain the glossary, along with Job chapter 6, contain the glossary that will unlock the alleged uh, confusion, the alleged confusion of Acts chapter 10. But anyways, let's stay here right now. Human mortality, 41, verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The poor, this means weak or feeble. This means, okay, like, I'm not in my prime anymore. I'm not in my autumn years. Like, I'm ready to bite it, right? Like, everybody's going to die. But how does the Lord deliver you in the time of trouble? You have an inner peace. You know where you're going. You have a clean conscience. You've tried your best. Okay? He gives you the truth. And the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong. Uncertainty and certainty. Doubt and truth. And heaven and hell. Verse 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He is the God of the living, not the dead. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. Yeah, because we're happy. And thou shalt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. See, if I didn't go back into the manuscripts and look this up for you. It's not the will of his enemies, the soul of his enemies. We're talking here, ultimately, Satan wants your soul. That's what gives him power. And if you want an analogy of this, let's say there's an evil entity on earth right now. Let's just say Facebook does way more harm than good. Okay, who gives it power? We do. Every time you sign on to it, every time you sit there and read those little two-minute things, two-minute things, what your feed is, just, and every time you sit there and you have to make a post and try and glamorize your life, and you know, no one ever you know, makes, does a post when they're sitting there you know, on the toilet for two and a half days when they're sick or, or when they're vomiting and they got big bags under their eyes. No, it's everything so glamorized and fake and phony, and, and, and there's no uh, certainty on there. It's just a fantasy world, a, a brutal fantasy world. What if nobody signed on? Well, we give it power is what I'm trying to say. We give Satan power ultimately through his dynasties. He's the treasurer of the world. Money is the root of all evil. Yeah, the love of money. Well, I look up that word love in the manuscripts like I did and anyone else can. It's only used once there. And that word means something you covet, something that you worship, something that you think about, you serve. Okay, so Satan... And his four dynasties, you don't get delivered up to the will, the soul of him. He wants your soul. He wants, that's where he gets his power. And that's how he's going to get eliminated by evil. It just destroy itself from within. Hatred destroys itself. You can feel it burning yourself up from inside. Jealousies destroy the person. Just 
burns himself up and destroys the household. Uh, attitudes of obscene entitlement just make you think you're better than other people, but it's destroying somebody somewhere else somehow through labor exploitation, through finding other people on planet Earth exploitable and surplus. Okay, Satan wants your soul. He, he, and God won't allow that. If, okay, now, we, now, and thou will not deliver him unto the soul of his enemy. Who's the soul of the enemy? Well, it's Satan himself. Compare this to the darling. Okay, the darling in the last chapters, when you see the word darling, that's, that means the only begotten. That means the soul of God himself existed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the darling. This is the will of the enemies. It's the soul of the enemies. It's nefesh in the Hebrew. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou will make all his bed in his sickness. He will comfort you on your deathbed is what's being said here. This word on the, on the bed of languishing, this is a major word. And this word, I know this is a side note, but this word is the key to unlock Acts chapter 10. And we'll get into that another day. But it's just the word itself. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. You don't want to be laying there and all of a sudden start panicking. Hey, you're going to die. All of us are. And you don't want to be sitting there going, oh, having regrets and blames. If only these people would have done this. Oh, you don't know where you're going. Like, can you imagine the fear? Just, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to die. All right. Well, Nick, you just, uh, you can, you, can uh, you know, try and tough it out to the bitter end to your last breath. And, but you know, deep inside, you're going to go somewhere when you die. You're not just laying there going, yeah, I'm just going to go to a hole in the ground now. Like, my life was basically uh, pointless because everything I work for, someone else gets it now anyway. And what are they going to do it? Squander it away. Or spend it. Or anything that, you got, that was so important in the material world of progress, profit, materialism, and consumerism. Where's it go? It just, it just gets destroyed. It's garbage. And it's done nothing but hurt the planet and hurt other people. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. He's asking for forgiveness. We're talking about, he's on his deathbed here. Now, always remember, this is Messiah's prayer and praise in view of future blessing. We're talking about when we pass on from this flesh age. Okay, we don't want to be laying there or be in our, our last six months of life and like having regrets. What a wasted emotion. You wasted time in life. You want, like nobody, you can't go up to the Lord Jesus Christ on your deathbed. Or as soon as you die. And say, yeah, guess what? Guess what, Lord Jesus Christ? Guess what's on my account? I watched every episode of The Young and Restless. I did. That's what I did with my time. And then I watched countless movies. And and I was on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for hours. Thousands of hours. Yeah, I never got around to reading that book about you, though. What do you think he's going to say? Depart from me. You never took the time to get to know me. Matthew chapter 7. That'd be mortifying to be laying there and all of a sudden you see a pastor or a chaplain come by and just, uh, can you tell me about Jesus now? Yeah, you, you, you squandered your whole life away for yourself. Selfish. Now let's, let's think about this. Who gets to go into the kingdom of heaven? You know, it says in the Bible, those people are barely going to make it. But I can tell you one thing. Someone born in China now who has no chance at even reading the Bible, let alone, let alone understanding it. You know, God knows. Hey, 
I made a millennium period and they will get to see the Lord. They will get to go to the heaven side if they seriously had no chance. Little African kid or just somebody who has no chance. They get to go into the kingdom of heaven. It's a great time of teaching. The millennium period, it's called a priestly kingdom. We're teaching and we're all of us, me, you, everybody that ends up on that side. It's going to be there just to get the tweakness of correction. Like not everybody's going to have this word absolutely perfect. And nobody is perfect when we die. Nobody's going to be perfect. But he's looking for the loyal. He's looking for the people that matured in the word and gave their heart over to the Lord. My heart belongs to you, Lord. But these people that did not have a chance, absolutely no chance, people that are displaced, people that, you know, died young, they obviously get to go into the kingdom of heaven. And it's a priestly kingdom. There'll be people there like me and you teaching this Bible and ministering unto the Lord for a thousand year period before great white throne judgment. That's why there's a millennium temple. And there's a lot written in the Bible about that thousand year period. But people in Canada, United States and and uh, Europe right now have a church on every corner, a Bible sitting there collecting dust in their apartment or in their house. What's your excuse? 700 pages. Really. And people will sit back and criticize the very book they're going to get judged on. Five. My enemies speak evil of me. Did I miss one? I say, oh Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. He's repenting. My enemies speak evil of me. Okay, now we're going to change the little subject here. When shall he die and his name perish? What are we talking about here? Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those that take part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. When shall he die and his name perish? A great white throne judgment if they can't pull themselves out of it. Strike one was us. We are the one-third in the age that was. There's tons written in the Bible about it. It's no secret. We are the ones. We gave power to Satan. We followed him. We followed his tail as it's written. Where's the other two-thirds? They're up there praying for us right now, watching us, watching everything we do. God knows our thoughts and intents, but our angels are watching us, going, listen, that's one-third of the human family passing through the matrix once born innocent of woman. You guys come to terms with what is inside of you that you can't convey in the kingdom of heaven that is a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. Like what was inside me, for example. For example, attitude of obscene entitlement. Nah, me. Selfish, self-indulgent. I blame people. Arrogant, aggressive. I think a person like me before I turn my life over to the Lord would, would be allowed in heaven? It'd be nothing more than a new hell. Oh, here comes Michael the bully on his big wheel with a loaded diaper telling everyone what to do. Yeah, nice try. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being there. Chasing all the vain curiosities. Oh, yeah, I did. And I realized, hey, these are just disappointment and frustration. Like other people are getting hurt. Look at the whole human family. Think about yourself all the time. And then what happens? You just feel just a deep disappointment. Anguish. What's the truth here? 
Adults have lied to me all my life. The church lied to me. Said, ah, oh, book of Revelation is not meant to be understood. Turns out to be the easiest book to understand once you find the glossary that's in the Bible, which isn't that hard. And then you go to school. What's a, what little kid has a chance for this, okay? Little kid like me or any little kid these days. They go to church. Ah, the Bible's not taught. It's not meant to be understood. Oh, yeah, the Old Testament was written a long time ago. And uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of this stuff is not meant to be understood. That's a lie. The earth is 6,000 years old. Lie. Evie and Apple. Lie. Like a snake was in the garden. A talking snake. Lie. Like can't you even read the Bible and understand? Like Ezekiel chapter 28. Oh, Satan was in the garden of Eden. Right there. What? Dude, you couldn't even read halfway through the Bible, preacher dude, and teach children? You can't even tell us that. Verse 1 of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Does it say when? I don't see so. Can you go to Psalms 90, 2 Peter chapter 3? God gave us a time frame template to apply to the Bible. Mankind wasn't around when God was creating the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 is rejuvenation. One day with the Lord is a thousand years to us. Psalms 90, 2 Peter chapter 3. Oh, let's see, science says 14,000 years ago. The ice started to recede. You know what that means. Yeah, there was no photosynthesis occurring because there was a cloud around planet Earth in order for the sun not to shine on the Earth. Okay, it was called the Ice Age. And so when you go to school and they tell you it's evolution and then you ask your preacher, he goes, no, God created this 6,000 years ago. It's evolution or 6,000? That's a lie. They're both lies. Think about it. If evolution were true, teacher, and we're supposed to look up to these people, and as a little kid, even in grade five, I'm like, and wait a minute, this can't be true. If evolution were true, there would have to be an infinite array of fossils for every species at every minute stage of transition from the single cell to every single species we see now and species that have come and gone. Those fossils and remains do not exist. There was an ice age, and science even says 2 million years, only receded 14,000 years ago. Where were we? Sitting on some beach somewhere in our, in our winter parkas, hoping that, hey, I hope we can get some sunshine here. Guess what? When the sun doesn't shine, what happens? No photosynthesis occurs. God destroyed the age that was because we felt we followed Satan. He had to. And he made this age. Verse 2 of your Bible Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. There's a billion years in between verse 1 and verse 2. Why can't you teach that to a little kid? And when you follow, and it's easy, follow the time frame. Follow the genealogies back to get yourself a time frame. It's all written here. So, verse, so the, God's Spirit moved upon the face of the earth. First day, day 1, 14,000 years ago, because that's what science says. And the Bible says too. First day, 14,000 years ago, light. That's 12,000 BC. Okay, God's starting to clear the cloud around the, around the planet. Because something wiped out the dinosaurs fast. Something f froze this planet up fast. Because we still find like woolly mammoths up in the Arctic with, with buttercups in their mouth. Frozen, solid. Something happened fast. If it was a volcano, a, a meteor, an asteroid, a comet, whatever. Something happened fast and wiped out the age that was. 
human beings weren't around. It was over. God destroyed the age that was. And so, 14,000 years ago, God said, okay, it's time to rejuvenate the earth. Okay? Everyone has to get ready to be born once in this of woman, pass through the matrix once, and you're going to be judged accordingly. But let's see, day one, 14,000 years ago. Okay? One day with the Lord is a thousand years. There's your time frame template. Hey, light. Okay? The sun's starting to shine through this ball of dust. All right? Day two. Rivers, streams, oceans. Oh, day two takes us down. Day one was light. It takes us down to 13,000 years ago. Day two was uh, rivers and streams. Well, the light's getting stronger. The sun's getting stronger. We got a 24-hour day now, and the ice has been receded. So we're down to 12,000 years ago, or 10,000 B.C. And then the next day, horticulture happens. Oh, we're down to 11,000 years ago, 9,000 B.C. Okay, we got some plants going. Day, day four, another thousand years. Ten thousand years ago, we got plants going again. Because day four, the horticulture is still going. But God says in day four of Genesis chapter one, there's two unique light givers. I'm setting the stage for this earth age. Let's translate within the Bible. Who's the stars? We are. Who's the two unique light givers? We already have light on the first day. The two unique light givers. The lunatic himself, the lesser of the light. And our Lord Jesus Christ, He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. Okay, what unique light giver are you going to get light from? When He calls us stars, like He does in Job chapter 38, all the stars sang for joy for God. He calls us little balls of energy, little life forces. He calls us the stars, the hosts of heaven. He calls us the angels throughout the Bible. We're His children. We're the hosts of heaven. Us, the one-third. So we're down to, had to get born, set the stage for this earth age for us to get born, innocent of woman, once. Okay? One time. So now we're down to, let's see, light, 13,000 years ago. Rivers and streams, we're down to 12,000 years. Agriculture, 11,000 years. It went on for another 1,000 years. There's 10,000 years. So we're in 8,000 BC. And then he puts fish in uh, the, the marine life. That's 9,000 BC, or 9,000 years ago, 7,000 BC. And then along comes mammals and mankind on day six, and that's 6,000 years ago, or 4,000 BC. No, 8,000 years ago, that's 6,000 BC. Then he rested, and we have 7,000 years ago, and then that's rested on uh, day seven, which means he rested from accomplishment, whereas mankind rests from fatigue. And don't forget, he made man on the sixth day, and it was good. There's all the races there, the sixth day. He says, rejuvenate the earth, and it was very good. We're all part of the human family. Let's get the show on the road here. So that was 8,000 years ago. 7,000 years ago, or 5,000 B.C., as far as the calendar goes, God rested a day. The earth is rejuvenating. So mankind's been around for 2,000 years now. And then God says, well, I don't have a husbandman for the world. I don't have this family that I've chosen to carry this word throughout the world to help broadcast, magnifying God, and, and broadcast God's saving word. That's where he started. The man, Adam, Eth Hahadam, 4,000 B.C., 
which was 6,000 years ago. So by the time Adam and Eve came around, there was, always, there was already millions of people. Not in the Garden of Eden, but they were out there. Because 6,000 years, because 2,000 years before Adam and Eve, God created the man and woman. And it was very good. And then through that family, Eth Hahadam, the man Adam, had to carry this word throughout the world. It went through, it went through Adam, Adam and Eve, and we're not going to get any farther into that. Okay, so we're, let's just let's just keep the, on track here. Be merciful unto me. My enemies speak evil of me. Yeah, when you talk about the Bible and what it really says, watch them come at you. I, I want to tell you something. When I first started discovering the edges of the key of David, I started writing about it. I started writing like what I was seeing in the Bible. Other people were asking me questions. I, I was contacted by uh, somebody over in Israel and saying, you're very close to getting the key of David. Do you understand what you're infringing on? And I was like, I guess so. Like I'm just a white trash high school dropout, but I do spend all my spare time studying the Bible, which is all the time because it's all I do. And this guy says, uh, people are going to hate you. I said, dude, I've been groomed for that my whole life. I can handle it. Don't you worry. And he goes, good luck. I said, I don't need luck. Enemies speak evil of me. Yeah, when, when I'm teaching the Bible, <laughs> yeah, bring it, man. It's nothing I can't handle. And when shall he die and his name perish? Okay, well, the enemy, great white throne judgment. And if he comes see me, he speaketh vanity. And he, his heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. Don't forget, what this happened to David? Through Anthopal. Remember old Anthopal? He was David's inner circle. He was like his, uh, you know, uh, confidant. And then when David started having trouble, Anthopal was a traitor. He turned on him. Remember Anthopal from Second Samuel? It was the funniest thing. Because Anthopal was going up to uh, Absalom, David's son, who was forming a coup against his own dad. And Anthopal jumped ship and went for him. Says, I'll, 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 go, I'll go take out David. Yeah, I'll, I'll go take him out right now. Watch me. David was a warrior, man. And Anthopal was a mouthpiece. And Anthopal ended up hanging himself. And guess who went traitor on Jesus Christ? <laughs> Judas. What happened to him? Same thing. Ended up hanging from a tree somewhere by his throat. And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity, his heart gathereth iniquity. That was like Judas. Remember, or we'll talk more about Judas in a second, because now we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember all these prophecies are, start with the true David. David was a prophet, and they lead up to, or they start by David himself, the King David, you know, and then they lead up to the true David. And David just means beloved, the true beloved Messiah. Okay? And that's why that... Uh, uh, posterity, the genealogies are given in the book of Matthew. That's the king line. And in the book of Luke, that is the his, his posterity back to Adam and Eve. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. Okay, what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ? The people... They were whispering against him. It turned into an obscene mob scene. And then today, how do they devise hurt against the Lord Jesus Christ? It's martyrdom. This is the fifth seal. Don't don't think otherwise. 
Like Jesus Christ told us all things. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, Revelation chapter 6. Deception, seal number one. It's already out there. The great apostasy, the great falling away from truth. We look at people like, like they deserve a crown on their head. Like they're royalty somehow on the TV or on the radio or wherever you get your information. You'll follow those people like, yeah, they're telling the truth. The most trusted name in news. Jokes. They don't care if they lie to you. It's about ratings, man. It's about money. They have a mandate and their narrative has to reflect that mandate. And it's all about money. They don't care. It's ratings. Now it's algorithms. The second one, wars and rumors of wars. What, are you kidding me? Troubles and conflicts and turmoils. There's never been more weaponry on planet Earth to annihilate each other than the here and now. Right now. What's the next one? Famine. Well, the famine in the end times is what? It's twofold. In the Bible, it's twofold. Listen, number one, if you are the great superpower on planet Earth, the biggest economy, Canada, then United States, in the United States, why is one in seven of your citizens using food stamps? In Canada, in the greatest city in Canada, Toronto, why is 1.5 million people visiting the food bank in 2021? What's going on in third world countries or second world countries? Famine. But the famine is twofold in the Bible. The second definition is Amos 8, chapter 11. Amos 8, verse 11. And it reads, The famine in the end times is for hearing God's word taught truthfully. Find yourself a remnant of truth and support them. Like we have to go to the grocery store too. Martyrdom. Oh yeah, after famine comes pestilence. Jesus Christ told us there would be a pandemic. He said, I know what Satan's up to. I know his thoughts and intents. I told you already his thoughts and intents in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. I told you who he was in Ezekiel chapter 28. I've told you who he was. He was in the garden. He was made in the highest supernatural order in the full pattern of beauty and wisdom as it's written. He's the covering cherub of the very altar of God. Dude was tripping around the altar of God. And we all looked up at him. And one third of us decided to follow his stupid ideals that we could govern ourselves and he would be our prince. So God said, go for it. It's the only way you're going to see it's an utter fail. Look at the planet. Look at, look at humanity. And then we're all going to be looking at Satan when God mops him up in a bucket and dumps him down that pit, down the sides of the pit. And some people are going down there with him. We're all going to be looking at, like that entity did this to us. Are you kidding me? And we followed it. We gave them power. Pestilence is pandemic. Like, it's not a natural disease. COVID-19 is a Frankenstein disease. It's the easiest thing to look up. Bats can't get COVID-19. But the virus is bat, has the backbone of a bat-borne virus. And then they, they uh, applied gain of function onto that virus, onto that pathogen in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Get off mainstream media. Stop looking at the statistics, the charts, the graphs. Listening to these experts in the fields. The facts are, it is a man-made virus released on mankind. And Jesus Christ told us, hey, there's going to be a pandemic worldwide. What's after that? Martyrdom. How, what's martyrdom mean? They're trying to kill the Word of God. Mankind is trying to put it out there that they know better. They're trying to get us away from studying this Bible and learning what's going on. 
And in the end times, that's what it said. Hey, man, hardly anybody's going to make it. Eight, an evil disease say they cleaveth fast unto him. That's, that's what they said about Lord Jesus Christ. They called him Beelzebub. That's king of the dunghill. Dude, you're going to pay for that one. And now he lieth, he shall rise up no more. That's what, he, that's what they thought. They thought wrong. And guess what? That is why Antichrist, when he, mani when he manifests in his purest form, Satan manifests in his purest form as Antichrist, he's not going to bury the two witnesses because he doesn't want them to rise up again like Jesus Christ did. Nine, yeah, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted his heel against me. Talking none other than Judas Iscariot did that to Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, the, uh, the 11 disciples perceived or thought that Judas betrayed Christ because of the money bag. Like, read carefully in, this, in the Gospels. Judas, the treasurer, was already stealing. No, in the book of Acts, there's two properties, two distinct properties. Judas already bought one property with money that he was ripping off from the money bag. And then with that other property, that was this Pharisees and Sadducees, the clergy of the time that went and bought that property. Like Jesus Christ already knew what was in the human heart. So look at this. In John chapter 13, Jesus Christ does not say, whom I trusted. It says, my own familiar friend, which did eat of bread, which has lifted up his heel against me. Like, Jesus didn't say who I trusted, like it does here. Because he knew what was in mankind. He knows all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. John chapter 2, 24 and 25. Jesus Christ knew. Like, God's trademark stamp of validity just runs through this Bible like a clothesline, like a highway, like a Hot Wheels highway. Okay, Judas was the treasurer already. There was two properties. Like Christ wasn't like, how much money do we got? How much money? Okay, guys, guess what we're going to buy? You know, look at all this money we got. Let's go to the mall. Let's go get a new chariot. Let's go get all kinds of stuff and things. Jesus Christ didn't care about the money bag. It made him sad. This guy thinks he's ripping it off. Doesn't Like, I'm God. I know what he's doing. He's ripping us off. The treasure of the world now is Satan. He's ripping off your soul. He's ripping off your time. People say that slavery has been abolished. No, it just comes up with another word. It's called employee. You're a slave till money till you die. Don't be part of it. You have to think what is important. Basic necessities of life and serving the Lord. Each other. We're all part of the human family. This is pure prophecy written a thousand years before it came to pass. Like, how would David know? How would the people back then know? Psalms 22. Like David talking about hanging from a cross. Is it, they didn't even hang people from crosses back then. That was a Roman heathen thing that came in. Like, back then, they chopped your head off, they stoned you, or they hung you from a rope from a tree. And that was all written, Psalms 22. Here, it's written exactly how it went down a thousand years before it went down. Verse 10, But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up, that I may requite them. That can only Christ could say that. Requite means make, make what's wrong right inside them. I want to give them a chance. It's affliction now, and then we have the millennium for correction. 
Verse 11, By this I know that thou favorest me, because my enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in my integrity, and settest me before thy face forever and ever. Refers to Christ and to whomsoever will. What will hold you up in, in your integrity? Money? No, you can't, buy, can't buy integrity. You can't buy morals. You can't buy love. You can buy some friends, but they're just as they're just as phony, and they're just slouchy like like people that think they can buy buy people. Jesus Christ and salvation, faith, and unmerited grace and favor is free. Salvation is free. It has to come from the heart. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. To me, Amen. The ages of ages. Is, was, and always will be. Get over this little tiny little piece of time. Consider your mortality and what you're doing with your time. You'll be judged accordingly. Well, I hope I didn't get too far off subject on that one. It's been a long day. It's freezing cold. If anyone can help me out with some firewood, that'd be the greatest thing. My name is Michael Reed. I'm down here in Paisley, Ontario, Canada, on side road 28 slash 29, number 338. The postal code here is N0G2N0. And if you want to help out with this podcast, because I don't know how much longer I can do it, because... You know, I have to go to the grocery store too. And it literally takes me six to ten hours minimum of studying. And I do it for you because I love you. And if you want to help support this podcast, go to companionchapel.com. At least drop me an email. And get involved in the podcast. You want to do this live. You want to do this on YouTube. Whatever you want to do. I am your servant. And I love you. I'm a servant to the Lord. I'm a servant to you. I want the whole human family to be together singing for joy again. Pleasing the Lord pleasing our Father Yahweh and glorying God and back out of these nuisance, flesh, aching, wanting bodies into our natural, spiritual bodies. All of us together as the human family, singing for joy, the way God intended it, the way God created the universe. So get in touch with me. My name is Michael Reed, companionchapel at gmail.com. My phone number is 519-706-8876 or come on by. Yeah, it's freezing cold. Yeah, don't be shocked when you come here. There's no electricity, no running water. So, yeah, I'm trying to pull this together as a church. It's just me by myself with my little doggy land array. Get involved. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. I want to thank you very much for listening. Help support this podcast by promoting it. Thank you very much. Have yourself a great day. And bye for now.